Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today on Justice, Tyga on the run, updates on Cosby, and a bombshell DOJ report on Baltimore. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is served. Hello, Justice fans. Thank you for welcoming. Well, thank you for joining us on another episode of Justice is Served. This one, we've got some crazy uh, updates on the, what the DOJ just released this morning on Baltimore. But we're going to start off with something lighter. Thank you for joining me. My name is Chelsea Galicia, and I am joined by my co-host and fellow attorney, Shaka Smith. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shaka Strong. Awesome. All right, let's just dive into this because I am really eager to get uh, really to the DOJ story, but there's some other good stuff that we have got to cover first. And to ease our way into this with a sort of light story, mm-hmm. we got Tyga on the run. I can't even say that name without <laughs> like laughing to myself. It's one thing to read it, but when you have to say it out loud, yeah. I can't even take myself <laughs> seriously. Uh, so he is sort of somewhat on the run. Yeah. Why did a uh, judge... Uh, put out a warrant for his arrest. Yes, it was a bench warrant issued for uh, Tiger's arrest. He was supposed to be in court, uh, I believe it was Tuesday, to answer some questions about his finances. So he owes, for this Malibu um, compound he was renting, he owes about $480,000. He could have bought a house for that yeah, amount. Yeah, right? He got, so he got a judgment. But now, Not in L.A., but a house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, got, he, got, he gets this judgment against him, but now he's buying Kylie Jenner, his girlfriend, a $200,000 car. Well, that's what um, it looks like, but I suspect, as it's been reported in other scenarios... where He bought the car before, yeah. That, that they're rentals, then, and it's kind of just a publicity... Well, the last stuff. car that he bought, people were saying Kylie actually had paid for. Um, so it, it still remains to be seen who's paying for these things. But that but, would have been a good thing for him to show up in court and to, say... Yeah, Exactly. If it was true, actually, my girlfriend bought herself this car. It just looks like I bought it but for a, her. Of course, that's going to really knock him down in like in the world of the media and the public. Um, but you know, since he's been out and been making all this money and been a pretty good rapper in terms of what he's produced and sold, he's already had repos and evictions, and so we'll see how this turns out. But it looks like he's very financially careless. Financial fitness, guys. Financial yeah. fitness will <laughs> keep you out of court. So uh, I saw just today that the Kardashians are up in arms, and by arms. I mean text, like hitting him <laughs> up, like, dude, take care of this. You're going to ruin our name. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing Chris Jenner's not too happy about this. So. Yeah, and apparently he has been in, I guess, Turks and Caicos, which is no. where they're celebrating Kylie's It's a great spot. I've been there a couple of times. <laughs> I really love it. I don't blame him for going there, but, dude, if you got to be in court. Well, hopefully the Jenner's paid, right? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, so apparently he's got an attorney taking care of it for him, but, dear God, come on, just show up, yeah. please. All right, um, moving on to a Cosby update. I was hoping that this summer we would be right now like in the throes of trial, and we are just painfully, slowly inching our way there. Uh, That I know there's no trial date even set. We were just told it was supposed to be in the summer. The benefit of having a lot of money and really great attorneys, right? Yes, delay, delay game. All right, but uh, in this time... Uh, there's been a couple things. First, there's been new accusers. Yeah, so the total is now officially up to 60. All right. And they're, we say new, but if you look at their stories, the stories aren't The stories totally aren't new. new. So they were, I guess, they were involved in the Andrew Constant lawsuit. And so I guess they had given previous depositions regarding what took place with uh, Mr. Cosby and themselves as well. 
So I don't, why are they now, I wasn't very clear on this, why are they now being just added to the number? I, I think this is now that the media is discovering that there were two other accusers in these depositions that um, that had given from a prior lawsuit. Gotcha. And, you know, one of them was uh, about a, a model who woke up in his apartment and oh, called yeah. a friend and the friend came down over. and banged yeah. on the door and and the funny though well, not the funny part is but the interesting part is the friend said well just leave we'll get out of there Call, and she said I can't move yeah, and so it's you know obviously part and parcel of what it seems like he was doing with these women Oh, man. And then on their way to trial now, the uh, attorneys for Bill Cosby have are trying to keep out a very damaging statement yeah. that he made over the phone to Andrea Constance's mom. Yeah, well, what's curious about a lot of these stories is that Bill Cosby, after he commits these acts, turns out to be, you know, show some financial largesse and decides to pay for schools and, you know, different things to, I guess, obviate whatever he's done. And so he has this. Uh, he had two phone calls with, uh, I believe, it with Gianna Constant. And the first one, he Jan- admits to what he did. January uh, two thousand five. January so this is a while ago. Yeah. yeah. So the first one, he admits to what he did, and he offers to pay for schooling and relocation, therapy, uh, even therapy as well. And then the second <laughs> phone call, the next day, she has the presence of mind to record it. And so we have her another recording of Mr. Cosby saying that he's offering, you know, schooling and relocation costs as well, and they'd like to use this you know, in court to show that these are the actions of someone that is apologetic for a misdeed. Right. Uh, But the big problem is uh, Mr. Cosby was in Pennsylvania at the time, which is a two-party consent law. So you need both parties' consent in order to record. However, Gianna Constant was in Toronto. So we're going to... It's almost like a, you know, a, a dueling of laws here. But what we do know is that Pennsylvania Higher Court had ruled earlier that one party consenting to a, yeah. a recording is okay if they're part of the recording. Right. Not in this case, but yeah. another case. Another higher court case. So precedent. So we may actually get this one yeah. um, heard in court. Yeah. He's facing ten year, five to ten years if convicted. So um, certainly this is really him fighting for his life at 79 years old. Yeah. Man. Oh, man. I mean, but any day now. I mean, I hope he doesn't die before the trial. Yeah. I mean, you'd want to see at least him being shown to be legally culpable um, for these crimes. Yeah. All right. Speaking of wanting to see somebody legally culpable, actually, first, we got some good news, some good words from our sponsor. (laughs) Are you looking for a career in tech? I think everybody almost needs a career in tech. It's now, Like a side hustle. We all need it. It's the future. Because, you know, maybe business, data, design, or marketing, we all use that all day long. Trying to get that promotion or raise? Yeah, always. For sure. (laughs) To excel in your career, you need 21st century training and skills. General Assembly is the largest and most respected school worldwide for people seeking to grow their talents and master the marketplace. Good stuff. Whether it's learning remotely online, because who has time to go to class, or but they have in-person classes at one of their beautiful campuses, you can join the 350,000 people, that's a freak load of people, (laughs) who have already gotten the training needed to propel careers in tech and business. More than 2,500 companies worldwide hire GA's graduates, with 99% of graduates who participate in GA's career services landing a new role in field within six months of starting their job search. That's amazing. That's a really big deal. (laughs) Yeah, 99%. That's not something Trump University can claim, that's for sure. (laughs) 
But yeah, that's like the thing with the the problem with a lot of these schools is that you're like, how good are you at actually helping getting me employed? And yeah. not just anywhere like at McDonald's, but in actually something related to what I went to school for. So that's a huge claim. Take control of your talent and career now. Find out more at ga.co backslash geek. That's ga.co backslash geek. That's G-E-E-K. <laughs> weren't sure how to spell geek. Enter the promo code geek to save on your first class workshop or event. That's ga.co backslash geek code word geek. All right, great. Thank you so much, General Assembly, for your support of our show. And that makes it free for all of you to hear and enjoy. So thank you again. All right, so now on to the police uh, stories. I'll just mm-hmm. curtail my thoughts on that and just present the story part. <laughs> so Chicago has released the video of Paul O'Neill's shooting death. Yeah. This was a break in tradition or custom that we have seen from the city. Well, thank God. I mean, well, not thank God, but, you know, after the Laquan McDonald fiasco, they decided that if there was a fatal shooting by an officer, these videos would be released within 60 days. So they did that. Uh, Paul O'Neill was um, shot uh, July 28th, and the video came out just days ago. Unarmed, 18 years old. Yeah, so uh, we do have some video to set it up a little. He uh, was allegedly, and we do not know, and I can already hear people harping on, well, if he didn't want to die, he shouldn't have stolen a car. That's not really the The, way the justice system works. We don't kill people for stealing cars, and we don't even know that he did. It was allegedly. Um, They... So he called hits, it in. Yeah, so he hits two police cars, and then, you know, he continues, and then I guess he gets out of the car and starts uh, to run. Apparently, they fired at him in when the cars were actually moving. Yeah. And then um, Paul O'Neill slams, like, head-on with mm-hmm. a police officer, jumps out of the car, begins to run, and uh, the video doesn't show the shooting itself, curiously enough. Yeah, we'll have to get to that, That's, but... What's interesting is that the Chicago Police Department, their, their, uh, basically their protocol is, if you're being, if the only instrument of uh, possible fatality is the car, the officers are not supposed to shoot at that person. Yeah, you're not supposed to be shooting at somebody just running unless they're an actual danger, so, and they didn't even know for sure that he was armed. He wasn't, and yeah. nobody had called in to say that he was. And yeah, so this was a direct violation of departmental policy. For sure. All right. Um, so this the video is a bit long, but we have, um, we're going to look at the most, I guess, harrowing parts Yeah. Of it, and I'll be watching it for the first time with all of you. Go ahead, Zach. Hey, one Right? Well, I shot at the car after it almost hit you. 
At this so, point, yeah. do they even know that he has, was hit? Is well, it, well, you hear the officers say they shot, they shot back at us, right? So they don't even know that whether or not he was shooting back at them. He's just pure conjecture. My fucking knee hurts. My fucking arm hurts. I don't know if it's from him hitting us in the car. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're. So yeah, the video goes on, and some of some of the video that we're missing, or we won't, uh, I don't think we'll see here, shows the officers slapping each other, kind of giving like a hug. Yeah. Um, and so it, I think it was disconcerting, almost the celebratory nature of it. Well, I mean, clearly they're concerned about each other, but they have zero concern for Four. Paul O'Neill's life. He is laying on the ground, shot in the back. They yeah. cuff him still. He almost of, looks lifeless there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what we're watching in that moment is a dying man. Yeah. Um, and the three officers involved have been... Uh, Stripped of their badges, which yeah. is... It was good to see that at least some immediate action was taken, and I think that is in response because they, they can see what the community is seeing, you know, and they know that they have to have a quick response in order to kind of satisfy the community when these officers are, you know, shooting unarmed teens. This was, you know, egregious, but what are the chances that we'll actually see any criminal convictions? I'm not that hopeful because it they do a really great job of making it seem like this, and it may have well been, I wasn't there, a crazy, chaotic scene that they didn't know if they were being shot at. Well, what's what's curious is the the officer that actually shot Paul O'Neill, his body cam somehow has malfunctioned. So we, we're missing that footage. Um, and another curious thing is that another officer after the shooting tells other officers, turn off your cams. And they have video, they have video of that, of him telling people to kind of turn off their cameras. That is not good news yeah. at all. So the my concern about getting any convictions here is that we have this old Supreme Court, you know, decision that the we have to look at it from a reasonable perspective of the officer yeah. at the time, not in hindsight, and that if they, I guess, reasonably believed that the perpetrator was armed, even yeah. though he wasn't, they may well be able to walk away from this. Uh, yeah, so that's an 89 decision, Graham versus Connor, and it's about the officer's reasonability at the time. I don't believe it, it was reasonable to shoot at this person who was unarmed and running away at the time. And so that's my personal belief, and I think it will play out in the courts. It will obviously, it will definitely play out in the courts, but it's well, just been... I think it will play out on the side of conviction. It, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly hope that you're right. I guess maybe I, just by now I am so... I've seen yeah. so many cases where, like, oh, my God, this one has to be a slam dunk, and yeah. then you hear the, you know, the officer feared for the safety of himself and the others, and yeah. when really they were the one putting the officers in risk in danger by shooting at the car when in some instances police officers were in the line of the shot so uh it's just it's one of the times though i really do like the city's response i like or the police department's response i like that the three officers their badges were stripped right away and i like that except uh, that you know the chicago has had had this i mean laquan mcdonald that one was another egregious case and that one we're still pending trial on 
But even after that happens, the officers behave this way. Yeah. It's like well, I think it's going to take some time for these measures to take effect within police department for them to realize these they're measures. Being, how yeah. about they know yeah. that they're being recorded now? So many of these go public, and they still do this. I just but don't we understand. We still have it. a malfunctioning body camera, and we still have officers malfunctioning, still, yeah, and we still have officers telling other people, other officers, to turn off their cameras. So. I think while it's starting to sink in, it hasn't done so completely. I mean, and the attitude of these people. One of them says, effing desk duty for th- 30 days now, motherfucker. So, yeah. like, it's like, oh. Oh, I w- took a life, but. What yeah. a bummer. I got to go yeah. do desk duty for a month now. Yeah. Um, but thank God we at least got these videos in a timely manner. And I think, I, I really do think this will probably end on the side of conviction. Okay. I really, really, really hope that you're right on that. Um and, and some stories give us hope, like the one that came out this week that found a police officer guilty. Yeah. This is like maybe the 20-something time in the last 10 years or so yeah. that an officer has been found guilty. This was Officer Stephen Rankin, who was found guilty of manslaughter in the death of 18-year-old William Chapman. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This actually happened. How did it happen? Well, so William Chapman goes to, um, not William Chapman, sorry, uh, Officer Rankin is at a Walmart, and he's investigating a, a security officer's report that William Chapman has done some shoplifting. Now we have conflicting reports about what happened. Some people say Chapman was shot with his hands up. Some people say Chapman was charging towards the officer. After he shoots and kills William Chapman, he says to, I believe it was a Walmart employee, oh, this is my second one. Yeah. Because this, this is not the officer's first time of shooting someone who was unarmed. He shot an unarmed 26-year-old. Um, this guy was white, however, and he, I believe, was 11 bullets. Yeah. And he was not, you know, not convicted. He was kept off patrol for three years. Right. But he was not convicted. So, finally, here we, here we have a conviction. And they actually sought to keep out that statement to the employee, which was, you know, this, this is my is, second one. Yeah. And what we, in the law, we have something called hearsay. And generally we say, you, you can't bring in hearsay because... People love to use that word, and then yeah. they have no idea what it really yeah. means. So please school us. Yeah, and so the idea is when generally people talk, it's not very reliable. If you heard from someone else, but we have instances where we say, this is a reliable you know, source. So spontaneous so, utterances, yeah, if right? An, if it's an excited utterance, then yeah. we... And so right after the shooting... Contemporaneous he, exactly. uh, admission, something yeah. of that nature. Yeah. And so we, and there's Law a, there's school a, is trickling back yeah, into the mind. Yeah, you know, we have a dying declaration, and there's different instances in which hearsay is allowed in. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, they didn't argue that it wasn't hearsay or that it didn't fall under the acceptance of excited utterance. They argued that it would be more prejudicial than it is probative, which is another element the of the law. The go-to yes. thing that you argue if you want to keep something out. Exactly. So if you think a statement is so prejudicial that there's nothing the jury can garner, the judge can garner from it, and it doesn't really help advance the case, then um, a judge would keep it out. However, I guess they found it was a statement that was germane to the actions here. Oh, man. So now the question is, how long will he spend in prison? He faces up to 10 years, but the jury recommended just two Two. and a half. Yeah. Arg. Well, I mean, I think it's probably because we have this sort of Graham v. Connor that maybe you don't know the name of the case, but we still have that in the back of our mind that we should trust our police's, you know, reasonable um, assessment of what's taking place. Yeah. So I... Two and a half years. That seems, seems quite light, though. So we'll see what the judge um, decides to do on that one. All right. And, you know, he's obviously been fired. He was fired during trial. And But just for a little, um, you know, context, there's been about over a 1,000 shootings by police. 
only 74 officers have been charged, and of the 74, um, this would make the 26th conviction. In, like, the last 10 years. Yeah, 10 years, years, since 2005. Yeah. So, I mean, it gives great context to how uncommon a story like this yeah. is. Um, and so I don't know if that's, it's like, finally, I don't know, it doesn't feel like... Well, we're going to need some more convictions to to say this is a trend where pe- police are being held accountable for these kind of shootings. Yeah. And then we hear about the DOJ report on Baltimore yeah. today. And if your heart doesn't break while reading that, I question whether you have one. Yeah, I do I do like the DOJ has been so proactive, um, especially after Ferguson. Yeah, so this one uh, followed the death of Freddie Gray, the case that we've talked about extensively here where none of the officers were convicted or eventually some of the charges against officers were dropped because of the lack of convictions of earlier tried officers. Perhaps this is the one ray of light that's come of this tragedy is this report. And the DOJ doesn't hold back. And let me, I mean, just... Uh, we're just going to go through some of the more shocking yeah. parts of it, but you just see how egregious violations are, con- almost to where, like, you wonder, do the police either not know what constitutional rights are, or do they not care because they know that no one's ever going to hold them accountable? Well, when something's institutionalized, I think you don't care, and, may- and maybe you don't know because you're going on the word of your fellow officers. And some of them, and some of this stuff comes down from supervisors. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that were included in the report were things made, were observations made by the investigators on ride-alongs yeah. where they saw before their very eyes and ears these kinds of violations, yeah. which it's just unbelievable to me. I, I, I was talking to a friend about it, and I was like, am I really naive to be shocked and he was like uh yeah you are Uh, in many places you can be charged with disobeying a police officer's command and that gives you a wide latitude as an officer for what you can do and make people do but some of these things are crazy like they pull over a woman with a broken headlight and publicly strip search her Mm -hmm. publicly daylight i for some reason i had not known that that was done, and I consider myself a relatively informed person. My friend was like, yeah, that's happened to me. And when they threatened to do oh, the wow. body, the cavity search, yeah. he's like, forget it. Just take me wow. to, to I, county. Yeah, I haven't had that happen, but my God. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and what she was given, like, a fix-it ticket for a broken headlight yeah. in the end. It just doesn't make sense. Um a black officer with a reputation for speaking out over misconduct was harassed by a supervisor who said, stay in your lane, mind your business. So we see from the higher-ups that this was institutionalized. Well, and that's a big problem with police culture. It's, it's I gotta, you got to have my back, I'm going to have your back. And to a certain extent, you want that because they're protecting each other's lives. But when it comes to sort of lying and doing things outside the scope of their job, yeah. illegal activities, really. Like an officer decided not to report a colleague for planting drugs. Yeah. Um, because when you report that guy and you become known as the, the officer who's not sort of with the culture and all of a sudden they're going to turn on you. Right. And then the Justice Department found that officers had been accused more than 60 times of using the N-word and that the Boston, I'm sorry, the Baltimore Police Department didn't consider that a racial slur. In fact, the of of all the records that the DOJ went through, there was only one complaint that Baltimore had classified as a racially driven complaint. 
And the DOJ was like, this cannot be right. So they looked through the massive paperwork and just found that the complaints were classified under something else so that it looked like there were no race-based complaints when there surely were hundreds. And I'm sure this just More than isn't 100. isolated to Baltimore. So that's the really scary part. Yeah. Um, let's see. An officer used a taser on a man who was yelling and swearing. In his report, the officer said the man's weapon was his mouth because you need to have a reason to use yeah. a taser on somebody who's like they have a weapon on them. And this officer said the mouth was the weapon. Um, it was very obvious from the report how much this department had an us versus them mentality when yeah. looking at the community. Yeah. They weren't looking to take care of the community. It was there to impose their... Yeah, almost like a well, martial law. Right. Um, they cussed out residents uh, who asked why they were pulled over. Um, somebody was told, this is, quote, shut the fuck up, bitch, and sit the fuck down because they were the fucking law. Mm-hmm. Uh, in emails between a prosecutor and a police officer, the prosecutor called a woman who said she'd been sexually assaulted a conniving little whore. And the officer replied, LMAO, I feel the same. Yeah. That this was a pattern in how they treated or spoke about women who came forward claiming sexual assault. Yeah, and they swept I, under the rug. And I think when you have victims that don't have aren't financially you know secure and then you feel you can do do whatever with them a, 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 somewhere a, a prosecutor or an officer i can't remember which asked a woman who was claiming that she had been raped are you really sure that you want to mess up this guy's life why do you want to mess up why do you want to ruin his life yeah. Oy, um the whole department just needs retraining. Yeah, they, yeah, the officers described stopping people without evidence of wrongdoing, and the supervisor would just say, like, would this was one of the instances that happened while an investigator was on a ride along, yeah. that a supervisor told somebody uh, to pull to stop them, detain them, and the officer's like, "Why? I don't have a reason," and the supervisor was like, "We'll just make one up." Oh, yeah. That, that, that's frequent. I've been stopped several times for no reason. So that one I, I can definitely relate to. But the part about the, the investigator was in the car and the supervisor it, said it just re- make something up is the part that is just so shocking. There's no, there's no awareness. There's no awareness of the law and what they should be doing. There's no awareness when you say make something up. It's it's like you are aware that you're yeah. making something up. No, no, there's up no awareness that this isn't the right thing to do because normally when someone is watching who's giving you oversight, you kind of play nice and you follow the rules. Un, un, unbelievable. Yeah. A single officer received 125 complaints in just a few years. So, Why are you still employed? Yeah. Good question. A commander instructed a sergeant to tell her officers to lock up all the black hoodies in her district. Oh, this is also really bad. They had a trespass arrest form that already, you know, you have to fill in people's information, right? Well, their form sort of had a template with black male already figured, filled out in the description. Racist much? Jeez, yeah. You know, to some degree, it's not much of it surprising. It's surprising that it happened when a lot of, when they were, when they had oversight. Yeah. Um, the, The report is... I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. On the one hand, I am so disturbed. I mean, I was actually crying as I read it this morning. This took a, quite, quite a bit of my day this morning to just read it and to sit with it. And then the next thought was, am I silly to be not upset, 
but to be surprised or am I am I so out of touch that I didn't know how bad this was because Ferguson was pretty bad. Yeah. And Ferguson was infuriating that DOJ report and they what I remember most about it was how they used the residents to just make money off of them. Yeah. And that really upset me. Here the theme was just be a monster towards people. Yeah. And I just I I I don't know. I guess I'm feeling really naive and gullible. Like, I cannot believe that there are people in power that treat other people this way. I've seen so much of that, it doesn't surprise me. But again, I was surprised that they were acting that way with oversight. Yeah, so so now the next step will be that the city of Baltimore will have to come up with uh, a plan with the DOJ. It will be supervised and... um, that's how change is supposed to. I don't even come know what about. you can do there. It's like, would you fire every police officer, then just rehire a bunch of new that's ones? That's actually the thought that came to my but mind. But that's what it feels like you should do. But you know, yeah. uh, logistically, that'll be tough. And I, I think that an important thing that we need to address is that, yes, read this report. Mm-hmm. Don't become violent, even if that feels yeah. like the natural thing to do, because chances are you will read things in here in this report that will set you off. Yeah, my own challenge for myself is through reading this stuff and doing these stories is if I ever get stopped, I really have to treat that officer with as much respect as possible, even though in my mind he's he's already part and parcel of some of what's going on. Yeah. And so I think we have to remain kind of objective, but also very smart as well. And so I'm wondering, like, if, I, if I'm, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and any of these groups, like the 50 groups that came together yeah. that we talked about, was that just last yeah. week about how they the came rep- together yeah. to create a, a platform? Yeah. You know, what is the best move here? And, and I think that their rallying cry should at this point just be, read the report. Yeah. Hashtag DOJ Baltimore. Yeah. And you don't even need to add your analysis, although, sure, I've added plenty of my own analysis and commentary. But if everybody just says that one thing, read the report, read the report, people on the side of, oh, stop this war on police. Yeah. If they just read the report, just read the report, you, I you, think... You, you would think that maybe that would change their minds, but I, I've seen such damning evidence and... People just don't change their minds. They, they find ways to make it acceptable or ways it's not true or ways that it's somehow sort of a liberal push, you know. So yeah, hopefully it changes some people and they realize what's happening, but I, I don't have hope in that uh, aspect. Oh, man. I mean, I hope that I'm I'm not alone in people who are interested in understanding the experience of yeah. other people and what police departments are like across the country and wanting justice for everyone in the United States. And the first step is for all of us to become aware of the problem. And I know that there are people out there like me who care but just didn't know things were this bad. And people have to know it's not isolated to Baltimore. It's not just this bad in Baltimore. This is like systemic nationwide in different areas, different pockets. It's not every police department, but certainly it's not just isolated to one city, one state. And so, and even having some vague sense of that, I was still surprised. And so I would still just wish that every American would just read Read the report. report. I like that. All right. Um, That is going to be it for us today. Um, Thank you for joining us on this episode of Justice is Served, and we hope to see you here back next week. Yeah, download us on iTunes. Give Give us us five stars. Comments. All of it's welcome. See you next time. 
From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.